Hello, this is a Bicom podcast. I'm Richard Pater, the director of Bicom, based in Jerusalem, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Seema Shine um, and discuss uh, various issues around, around Iran. For those that don't know, Seema Shine is currently the head of the Iranian program at the Institute for National Security Studies, the INSS. Uh, so before that, Seema had an extensive career in Israeli intelligence, including heading up the research division of the Mossad. After leaving the Mossad, she also served as the Deputy Head of Strategic Affairs in Israel's National Security Council and Director General of the Ministry of Strategic Affairs, where she was also focused largely on Iran. So Seema, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. Thank you, my pleasure. So if we can start, and I think kind of the main, uh, the, the main reason why I wanted to discuss to talk to you today was that we've seen over the last week or two a series of mysterious explosions inside Iran, perhaps most significantly in Natanz. If we, if we can start with that, what can you tell us about those uh, incidents? Well, um, first of all, uh, I, I want to make sure that uh, you understand that everything I'm saying uh, is uh, from open sources, even though my uh, my career was in a in a different place, as you know. So I um, I I would say that I believe there is no connection between most of the events that we saw in the last four to five events that we saw in the last two weeks. The last one in Natanz, of course, is a very important one and a very uh, significant one since it uh, has. Uh, destroyed uh, almost, I, I assume, most of the uh, building of uh, the place where the Iranians were uh, um, combining the uh, uh, more advanced centrifuge. Now, this is a very important uh, part in the uh, nuclear program since um, Iran is, uh, for many years, is enriching with a very old um, type of uh, centrifuge, what is called the IR-1. Not that this uh, type cannot bring them to a bomb, of course it can, but, it, uh, need, uh, but in this case they need a lot of centrifuge, they need, uh, uh, it will take much more time. So it was very important for Iran and therefore they were insisting on, in the dialogue on the JCPOA to make sure that they are allowed to continue R&D on the more, more advanced one. So, uh, and the, one of the steps where, uh, since they decided a year ago to leave the, JCPOA, they didn't, they didn't call it uh, leaving the JCPOA, but steps that are out of the JCPOA. One of them was um, changing the schedule that was in the agreement on, uh, in, on advanced centrifuge. And from that point of view, they were today much more advanced than they ought to be according to the agreement. And uh, this assembly place is a very important part in the program and in the schedule of the program for the coming years. Who did it, I don't know. The Iranians didn't put, a f didn't mention. Uh, the Iranians, I mean the uh, official Iranians, not the uh, press or something like that. The offic official, uh, any official didn't mention if it's the US, if it's uh, Israel, if it's uh, Saudi Arabia, if it's uh, any kind of, uh, of uh, opposition group or something like that. Um, they have said that they know now exactly how it happened uh, and they will not reveal it because of uh, secret elements of the, of the issue and that they don't want to, um, to make known to the public. Uh, so the, qu the question uh, is uh, who did it, but that's not important. What's important is the uh, significance of the, of the, uh, of the event 
uh, to the schedule of the Iranian nuclear program, and that is uh, rolling back uh, one element, not the, there are other elements, of mm. course, but one element, important one, uh, it's rolling back for, I don't know how long, but probably uh, many months. Do we, do we know what type of centrifuges they were in there? Uh, from what I understand, there were several types. Uh, they are working on uh, uh, IR4, RIS6, mm. and RI8. So yeah. probably, uh, probably the two last, the, the six and the eight were there. Um, I, I read a lot of speculation about what does it mean, the IR8. Uh, I, somewhere I, I read the, that it can enrich 40, 50, per, uh, 50 times more. That's not accurate. Uh, I assume it can um, enrich more than the IR1, the current one, uh, 10 times more or something like that, mm -hmm. which is, of course, very very high and very important. So you mentioned this is just kind of one, one aspect of the, uh, of the JCPOA that, uh, that, they, that they are, of their project that they are advancing. Um, how else, since the US have pulled out, kind of taking a general view or, or kind of other aspects of it, what else have they been improving? Where else do you see their, their overall uh, nuclear project uh, this time? Yeah, so Iran for, for a year, we are now celebrating uh, <laughs> two years since Trump decided to leave the agreement. So for right. a year, Iran decided not to do anything and was trying to see if they can get the benefits of the agreements through the Europeans, the Russians, the Chinese, without the Americans. Uh, after a year, they understood that they are paying a high price and high economic price and they decided to start um, gradually to uh, distance themselves from the agreement. They did it in a, in a cautious way. Uh, every 60 days, uh, they had another step. Um, and they, now they are actually, I, I think we can say, except for the inspection that is a, still according to the agreement, all the other steps, the, the amount of enriched, enriched uranium uh, that is in Iran, uh, had to be according to the agreement, 30, uh, 300 kilograms. We have today more than 1,500. Uh, the, they had uh, to um, operate only one site in Natanz and they stopped enriching in Fodou. Now they are also enriching in Fodou. So they are enriching in two places. Uh, they, they were limited by the agreement to 3.67% of enrichment. They are today enriching around 5% and they, they are threatening to go to another stage uh, by enriching to 20%. As I said at the beginning, they are working on a, on a new uh, different schedule on the advanced centrifuge. They had to be doing it very slowly they are doing it now rapidly. So actually most of the elements um, of the, of the uh, JCPOA, they are violating them, uh, except as I said, the uh, inspection, which they are also threatening now to breach it. They don't say exactly uh, what is the red line, but they are giving some hints that what happened in Natan's previous week is kind of a red line. And of course, what will happen in the Security Council with the embargo issue and with the uh, snapback might bring them also to violate the, issue, the uh, inspection, uh, either to stop their 
their cooperation with the IAEA according to the additional protocol or even minimizing the inspection according to the JCPOA. And some of them are officials are threatening also to leave the NPT. So there is a, a list of steps that they can do in the coming weeks, months. And of course, outside the remit of the JCPOA is, the, is any of their development of, of ballistic weapons. We saw a month or two ago that they successfully, for the first time, launched, uh, launched a satellite, which is, uh, in my understanding, similar technology of the ICBMs. Um, do, we have a, do you have an assessment of, of how successful that is and how significant that development is? First of all, I, I, I completely agree with you that once we are talking about uh, the nuclear issue, we should immediately talk about the missiles, since this is the delivery system and it has to be in any future agreement, if there will be a future agreement, uh, these two issues have to be connected. Uh, yeah, Iran is quite advanced. Uh, advancing and advanced already on the uh, uh, on the missile issue, they have uh, they have also the ICBMs. They have uh, other other kinds of missiles, short range, medium range, and they and they are working on the long one. Uh, the, the satellite that you are, that you have mentioned uh, is of course could be uh, part of missile ICBM, but uh, what they tried to to tell everyone is that they, this is an, uh, a kind of a satellite that would be in the orbit and a kind of an intelligence uh, uh, satellite. We think that as far as we know uh, that the element of the, uh, the, uh, the cameras and all the other elements that are for, uh, uh, for surveillance are less developed and the real, real um, um, aim of that was to to try and uh, see the first and second stage of uh, of uh, launching a uh, uh, ICBM. You mentioned, I mean, we're, we're, this is a, almost a two-year anniversary since the U.S. pulled out of the JCPOA and, we've, and, and kind of replacing it is uh, according to at least uh, the U.S. Secretary of State Pompeo's maximum pressure campaign. How, how successful do you think that uh, that doctrine has been? Uh, you see, this is a, this is a an important question, but a difficult answer. Uh, why is it difficult? Because um, if you measure uh, the maximum pressure from the point of view of how much pressure it has put on the Iranian uh, state and on the Iranian population and on the regime, no question that the, uh, it is uh, successful from the point of view of a very, very difficult economic situation in Iran, uh, it's not only sanctions, but it, it's also the oil price, the low oil prices. It's also, of course, the system, the structure, the economic structure, the corruption, everything. But uh, on top of all of this, the sanctions are very heavy and very uh, uh, effective. But uh, the problem is that that was not the aim of, of, uh, of the maximum pressure. The aim was to bring Iran to the negotiating table and to have a new agreement a better agreement as it was uh, proclaimed. But uh, unfortunately for the, for the US, Iran is not coming to the table and uh, I assume will not come at most until the elections uh, in the US and uh, until they see who, who will be, um, will be uh, winning the next elections, whether it is uh, Trump or Biden. Uh, so I think from that point of view, if we are judging the, uh, uh, the, the maximum pressure uh, from the point of view of what was the purpose of, the, of this policy, 
I think uh, the purpose was not achieved. Pressure is very difficult on Iran, very harsh, uh, but uh, and on top of everything, there is the coronavirus that uh, Iran is suffering more than any country in the region. But uh, that all of that together, and also the killing of Soleimani and everything that has happened in the in the last year, uh, all of that together haven't didn't bring Iran to to start negotiations uh, or to meet Trump that is suggesting to them every second day to meet the, to meet and to mm. have a, a better agreement and the mm. success. You mentioned just before um, about uh, October when the, uh, the the arms embargo is, is due to expire. Um, how do you see that playing out? Uh, will it be renewed? What, what should we be looking out for there? Well, I'm, um, as you mentioned, Popeo talking about it, no question that um, the American administration is putting a major, major uh, pressure on the members of the Security Council uh, to to uh, to uh, to, uh, to continue with the embargo uh, in an unlimited time. No, even uh, I heard that there were some suggestions coming from the E E3 uh, about um, half a year uh, uh, prolongation or a year. The American administration is talking about unconditional continuation of the embargo, and they have already put a kind of a draft in the Security Council, but it looks that uh, this will not work. Russia and China are, uh, have announced that they will veto this, uh, suggest this uh, draft. I think that that direction is a very problematic one. But the, mm. the issue is that the, administ the American administration is uh, threatening that once it doesn't work, they will um, go to a more dramatic step, which is the snapback which right. um, <laughs> here we have a huge problem. On one hand, they are not anymore in the JCPOA. On the other hand, they, they say once uh, they, they use the fact that the Security Council has a resolution 2231 that adopted the nuclear agreement and has put also a, a, some uh, limits on, on Iran. One of, one of them is the possibility of a snapback of the sanctions if one of the parties to the agreement says that the other is not uh, complete, uh, completing with the agreement and it's, uh, it, uh, there is no veto uh, possibility for anyone uh, in this case. Uh, this is a political question. Point of view of uh, how to do it, uh, on one hand, the, the, the Russians are, uh, are telling everyone and sent a letter to, to the general director of the UN to tell him that, it's, uh, uh, that the US is not anymore in the agreement, so there is no, uh, uh, no step that they can do according to, uh, to, the, uh, to the agreement. So there is a, a huge problem here. The question is, at the end of the day, how will Europe react to that? We hear the Europeans saying that they are against snapback. Uh, they are trying to preserve the JCPOA in any way, even though it actually does not exist anymore, not from the mm -hmm. Iranian side and not from the American one, but, the, but all sides are continuing, except for the Americans, all sides are continuing to talk about the preservation of the JCPOA. So it, it is a huge problem uh, that we will face in the months of September, October, and, Till, uh, no, till the 3rd of November. I, I don't see how we get out of this, uh, of this very problematic uh, situation because um, 
I don't think the Europeans are in a, in a stage of supporting the Americans, even though, even without the Russians and the Chinese that are con completely against it, mm -hmm. I don't see the Europeans able to, to support the snapback. So it is a huge political problem. Well, I mean, what advice would you be giving to, the, uh, to any, any UK officials listening or generally to the, uh, to the E3 uh, le leadership of what they should be doing on this? So I, um, for a long time, I was thinking that uh, Europe and especially Britain with its special relations with the US uh, could try and, uh, and uh, bring any kind of a compromise that uh, will bring also the uh, Iranians and or, as well as the Americans. I don't believe it's possible anymore, and I think the uh, the political um, environment in Washington would not allow any compromise. That is an issue that uh, there are so many other problems. They are the only one that they would not want to play into the hands of uh, of uh, opponents is to say that they have compromised on the Iranian issue, uh, and the same is on the Iranian side. Uh, we in February we had elections to parliament in Iran. All the most of the seats are, were take, taken by more conservative and radical uh, members. Uh, so the atmosphere in Tehran as well is a very radical, very anti-American, anti-Western, and uh, I don't see a possibility for compromise. So I really don't know how Europe and Britain uh, particularly can, uh, can improve uh, <laughs> this very complicated uh, situation that, that uh, we are facing. So if I, I mean, from the Israeli perspective, obviously the, the Iranian nuclear file is, is one concern. The other, the other um, concerning behavior of Iran is their, their regional activity. And when it comes to Syria, broadly speaking, there are three areas of concern of transferring advanced weapons, of the upgrading of basic rockets to the precision guided missiles, and also expanding the, the terror infrastructure, particularly on the, on the Syrian side of the, of the Golan. Um, in, in the recent uh, weeks and months, how do you assess the current uh, um, ambitions and projects of the Iranians on these fronts? I would say that uh, this is uh, perhaps in a, in a way a paradox. In spite of all the problems that the Iranians do have, uh, just we, we have mentioned the, you know, the sanctions and the economic, severe economic situation, mm. uh, the coronavirus, the, 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 the killing of uh, Soleimani, all the, the, the uh, event with the Ukraine airplane. I mean, so many, many problems and such a difficult situation. I, I think except for the war, Iran-Iraq war, I, think, I don't think they have suffered such a, a, prob a problematic and difficult situation. In spite of all of that, uh, we don't see a change in the main interest of I Iran to continue and be involved in Syria, in Lebanon, in Iraq, and in Yemen. We might see here and there the changing of uh, you know numbers of uh, of soldiers numbers, but most of the most of the most of the soldiers are Shia militias are not Iranians uh, for a long time. Uh, and um, what we see is a, a very continuing and, and big effort of, of the Iranians not, not only to concentrate on the military side, but also to uh, penetrate to the economic uh, uh, field in, in Syria and all, as well as to um, the civil one, the education one. We see a lot of new militias that they are establishing and uh, they are planning for a long term 
and uh, I, I really think uh, we don't have a good answer to that. We have an answer, we have a partial answer, and uh, as uh, everybody knows, we are, Israel from time to time is hacking uh, uh, in, uh, in Syria, is uh, trying to strike uh, if, if there is a good information about uh, arms deliveries or, uh, or uh, any um, building of plants for missiles. Uh, uh, but let's uh, say, first, first of all, it's a partial solution. And mm -hmm. uh, in any case, it's only, it relates only to the military side and not to the economic, uh, educational one, uh, religious one, all the other uh, spheres that Iran is penetrating in Syria uh, to stay for a long, long time there. And do you think, I mean, in the past, I think we've, we've spoken about the idea of trying to uh, create some space between the interests of the Iranians and the, and the Russians um, in, in Syria. Um, how, how, how do you assess that relationship at the moment? And uh, can that, can, can that div division, division policy work? I think, uh, I think there are divisions between Russia and Iran. Uh, but they are not enough in order to make a real, uh, uh, a real, you know, a real problem between those two countries. They need each other. Of course, Iran needs Russia much more than Russia needs Iran. But in the case of Syria, uh, still uh, the situation is not calm, and uh, I, I, I assume the Russians understand that they don't have any any possibility to make uh, to make the Iranians live. Syria, and they uh, they would prefer to see uh, to see less Iranians Iranian military involvement is in uh, Syria, but uh, they cannot do it. Uh, and uh, I think for for the long run, they are competing in some uh, in mm. some uh, fields in the economic one, uh, also uh, when it uh, when it uh, relates to uh, um, you know penet penetrating into the security forces, army, nomination of people, of commanders and others. So we see from time to time uh, problems arising between Russia and Iran, but that is not, is not something that will ruin their relations. As you know, there is the Astana channel, political Astana channel, that uh, Iran, Turkey and Russia are trying to handle the Syria situation. Uh, there are also problems between Iran and Turkey. They have different interests in Syria, but still it's important for Iran to have uh, an open dialogue with Turkey. So they continue um, to preserve the relations with Turkey as they are preserving the relations with Russia, which they of course need much more even. So I, I, I don't think the split, uh, we can split between them. Uh, I know we have been talking a lot about that, but um, in spite of all the problems, they do need, still need each other and find a way how to accommodate. One, one last question, looking at the Israeli uh, um, domestic, not domestic scene, but in terms of uh, policy, um, we've got a new, uh, new defense minister, um, Benny, Benny Gantz. Have you, have you noticed any, when it comes to Syria and, and Iran, have you noticed any distinction? between uh, the new, new defense minister as opposed to uh, Naftali Bennett? You know, at the end of the day, there is a, the army is the one who uh, gives the uh, 
puts uh, the ideas before the, the defense minister. Uh, I don't think there is, um, there, there is a common interest between the defense minister and the chief of staff. So I don't think that uh, a different uh, defense minister would uh, put, uh, would do things in Syria or, or in Lebanon differently. I think there is no big difference. Uh, the only thing is that uh, some days before uh, Naftali Bennett left, uh, left his office, he was talking about uh, expelling the Syria, the, the Iranians are, are getting out of Syria, which of course is not the situation. Um, probably trying to have an, a kind of achievement before leaving. But uh, generally speaking, it's uh, more of the same. Well, Seema, thank you very much for all of that. That was incredibly interesting and very, very useful. Most appreciated. Thank you. Thank you.